This is part 12, and then there will be part 13, and we'll finish. That doesn't cover the whole book of Nehemiah, but it does cover the point to where the walls are all finished. And that's where we'll wrap up our, our study in the book of Nehemiah. Tonight and next Sunday night, the title is Learning to Hear God's Word Without Condemnation. Nehemiah chapter 8. Hope you have a Bible of some kind with you. Nehemiah 8, 1 to 18. You'll realize when I get going what a brave thing it is to read this passage out loud. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate, and they told Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read it, facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday. No children's church. He just reads the law from first thing in the morning till about middle of the afternoon. In the presence of the men, the women, and those who could understand. The ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra, the scribe, stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. Beside him stood Mittathiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, Messiah at the right hand, and Pedaiah, Meshiel, Melajua, Heshem, Hashbadanadanah, Zechariah, and Meshulam on the left hand. There you go. And Ezra opened the book of the law in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people, and as he opened it, all the people stood. You get this, this whole vast throng of people. The book of the law has come. He gets on this old wooden podium. He reads it. And as soon as everybody hears it, everybody stands up. Six, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, amen, amen. Lifting up their hands. Who told them to do that? It's all through the Bible, the lifting up of hands. Forever forever be gone the notion that that's a charismatic thing. It's from Genesis to Revelation. You see people responding to God with upraised hands. Old Testament, New Testament. That's a different topic. The sight of all people. So Ezra blessed the Lord. Six, the great God and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also Jeshua, Benai, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shebathiah, Hodiah, Messiah, Kalita, Azariah, Jezobad, Hanan, Peladiah, and the Levites helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read from the book, from the law of God clearly and gave the sense. So it's not just a bare reading, it's reading and then saying, now, do you see what this means? They read from the book of the law clearly and gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. Doesn't, doesn't matter if nobody understands, there's no point, we're wasting our time in church. Nine, Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people 
said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. Here's why they said that. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. It's, it's quite a thing, eh? He reads the law. People raise their hands. They all stand and raise their hands. And as they hear the law read and the sense of it is explained, they start to weep. Then it says they bow and they have their faces to the ground. We don't bow like that anymore. Their nose in the sand. And they're weeping. They're weeping because, well, we don't keep the law like we should keep the law. Ezra the priest, the scribe, the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Keep going, 10. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet wine, send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Maybe you wondered where that verse came from. So the Levites calmed all the people saying, be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. On the second day, see, we're still going here. On the second day, the heads of the father's houses of all the people with all the priests and Levites came together to Ezra, the scribe, in order to study the words of the law. And they found it written in the law that the Lord had commanded by Moses that the people of Israel should dwell in booths. Isn't it interesting that we studied that this morning in church? During the feast of the seventh month and that they should proclaim it and publish it in all their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out to the hills and bring branches of olive, wild olive, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees to make booths as it is written. So the people went out brought them and made booze for themselves, each on his roof and in their courts and in the courts of the house of God and in the square of the water gate and in the square of the gate of Ephraim. And all the assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths and lived in the booths. For from the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, to that day, the people of Israel had not done so. And there was very great rejoicing. And day by day, from the first day to the last, he read from the book of the law, they kept the feast seven days, and on the eighth day, there was a solemn assembly according to the rule. What a text. I hope you can keep the big picture. You have to keep the big picture of the whole book as we come to the close of where we're studying. It's all about a people who move back from captivity to freedom as their own people. It's all about people who move from slavery, bondage to finding their potential, their place as the people that God intended them to be. First, there was that miraculous de deliverance. Remember, we talked about Artaxerxes weeks and weeks and weeks ago, not a godly king by any stretch of the imagination. And somehow, senses Nehemiah is upset about something, asks him what the problem is and asks him what he needs and provides everything for the people to be delivered. A miracle. Ezra is used by God to rebuild the temple. You've got a book, Ezra and Nehemiah. It's right before Nehemiah. Ezra primarily is used to rebuild the temple, the heart and soul of the people's relationship with God, the center of their worship. And then 
God raises up Nehemiah. He comes and he builds the walls around the city. The walls establish security. The walls establish a future as the people worship God. The walls make sure that the deliverance from the people isn't just a temporary fix. The walls make sure that there's a permanent fix to the situation. That's really important. We're looking at the rebuilding of lives. And you have to do more than just come to Jesus. It's very important that you come to Jesus. It's a precious first step, and if you've never taken it, you need to be born again. There's no other way to be put right at the very center of your life. But once you've made that important decision, there's the whole orienting of the life in that direction. Being born again is being born like a baby. Babies are wonderful. They're cute, but you wouldn't want it to be a baby forever and ever and ever. There's a whole life of progression. There's the whole orienting of our lives to the lordship of Jesus. He speaks by his word and by his spirit. There's so much rubble, so much that needs to be changed, cleared away, reconstructed, reoriented, reshaped in our lives. That that happens in all of us, and it's going to go on until Jesus comes again. We're supposed to be cooperative in that process. We've been looking at this whole book as a picture of the sort of the rebuilding of the human soul, the way you come to deal with brokenness, rubble in your life after you've committed your life to Jesus. Now we're at a place in the book where the walls are up. Fresh start has been made. The rebuilding of a home, a marriage, a devotional life. Maybe the fresh victory, renouncing some pattern of secret sin, whatever it might be, a lot of work and prayer has been invested into some area of your life. The people are out of captivity. They're back into the security of their walled city. The gates are hung and established. Maybe you think back to where we talked about the entry and exit points. And we spent a whole couple of nights studying what those things are and the difference they make, how they need to be guarded with wisdom. So what happens now? I mean, that's what we read in that lengthy text. After all of this is done, delivered, brought back into the land, temple restored, worship restored, walls rebuilt. What are next steps? What keeps things going? I have only one point in tonight's teaching. That's what we're going to look at for the rest of tonight, and then another point next Sunday night. So it says point number one, but it's really the point. New beginnings can only be sustained by a deep, fresh commitment to the carrying out of God's word. The hardest thing that, I guess, pastors, teachers have to do is talk about something that everybody already knows and agrees with and make them see urgency in it. I was looking at Nehemiah 8, 2 and 3, and then 5 to 8, 
Try and feel the try and feel the emotion in the moment. So Ezra the priest, he brought the law before the assembly. How long has it been since they've heard the law? We, we don't know. He dug it out somewhere. Brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it, facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday. In the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Then you have all those people listed. They all helped the people to understand the law. While the people remained in their places, nobody went home. They read from the book, from the law of God clearly, and gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. It is clearly God's design that redeemed, restored people learn all over again the discipline of ordering their lives moment by moment under the authority of his word. That's God's plan. I think it's highly significant that the very first corporate act of the people after the walls were built was this public reading and explanation of the law of God. The very first thing that has to be brought back to the center. I'm not really asking you if you read your Bible. I'm, I'm sure you probably do. Is it the number one priority of your Christian walk? Is it the number one priority of your Christian walk? See, the reason that the first thing happens as all the people are there in their freshly minted, new temple restored, walls rebuilt, the very visible public act of reading the word, the law, was so, it wouldn't just be that they're free, it would help them stay free. The reading of the word, the centering of their minds around the word, that's what would keep them from going into bondage again. Remember, when they went into captivity, church, when they went into captivity, they had a temple and they had walls. They had everything that was rebuilt here. They had all of it. And they still went into captivity, were destroyed and taken into captivity because they were disobedient to the law of God. So now, after the whole process, temple rebuilt, walls rebuilt, a lot of work. There they are, where they were years ago. There they are again, only this time, let's get the word at the center of everything so that these walls don't turn to rubble again. 
That's, that's the lesson. Whatever degree of freedom, deliverance, forgiveness, the remaking of your life, whatever God's done in your life, the thing that will keep it moving in that direction is the centrality of the word in your life. The understanding of it, the submitting to it, the obedience to it. Getting free is wonderful. Staying free is better. That's what the word is all about. It's as though God were trying to tell them, listen, I know you're back in the holy city. I know the temple is back in place. I know that you've worked hard to build the walls. I know all of this is important to you, but listen to me, your strength, your future isn't guaranteed by that building or those walls. That's not going to be the key to your future success. Hear my word, God would say. Get the meaning of it. Give your attention to it. Study it. Study whole books of Scripture. We do it all the time in the church. Do it in your personal life. Get good commentaries. Compare translations. Look for examples to keep, examples to avoid, commands to obey, promises to claim. Write them down. Pray as you read. So it's December. Wow, 2023. Have you been in God's word every day this past year? I guess we all miss sometimes. What's your plan for 2024? Is your life going to be built around God's word? God gave these words to Moses. And close by saying, these words are life to you. Deuteronomy 32, 46 and 47. And he said to them, take to heart all the words which I am warning you today, that you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of this law. For it is, for it is no empty word for you, but your very life, underline, underline, your very life, your very life. It's tied to God's word. By this word, God speaks to Moses, by this word you shall live long in the land that you are going over Jordan to possess. Permanence comes from the word. Joshua follows Moses. Starts off with the very same instructions from the Lord, Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. He's going to talk about it. You shall meditate on it day and night. Notice continuous, eh? It's continuous. It's not a sporadic thing. So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way, your pathway, prosperous, you will have good success. Here's another great king. After God's heart. Psalm 1, 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Please notice the progression between verse 1 and 2. 
if you if you don't delight in the law of God, it's not like you won't be filling your mind with anything else that steers it. You will. It'll just be the counsel of the ungodly. It's everywhere. The word of God protects your mind from the counsel of the ungodly. Note that progression, the danger here. Walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Do you see it? Walks, still moving. Stands, standing still, sitting, parked. The decline of spiritual life. The only thing that keeps you from that, the only thing that keeps me from that, is delighting in God's word, God's law. You do that so you don't end up walking, standing, sitting still with a mind that can't understand and grasp the things of God. This is a principle I've shown from these different leaders and different passages that God simply refuses to allow to cool with the passing of time. There is no other way to sustain what's been rebuilt in your heart by the Spirit of God. It cannot happen without regularly reading with understanding the Word of God. Once the walls are up, God leads the people straight into the Word. It is ever so. You, you, you never do get your life on track enough that you no longer need to budget your time and effort and diet your mental intake around the living Word of God. The truth made you free, and the truth will keep you free in your walk with Jesus. That's the point Ezra makes to these people. They knew that it was their failure to keep God's word that led to their bondage and their captivity. They, they figured it out. That's why when he gets up and he reads the word, they stand, they raise their hands, but it's not one of those glory praise moments. They're weeping. What have we done? Oh, oh, that's how we got in this mess. That's how, that's how the, our lives turned into rubble. And right at that point, Ezra teaches them something important about hearing God's word, and it's what we're going to look at mostly next Sunday night. God reminds them not to let past moments of failure, sometimes deep failure, never let past moments of deep failure keep you from starting to listen to the word now. The best time to listen to the word is a long time ago. The next best time to start listening to the word is right now. You know, in a church the size of Cedarview, I'm sure there are people who are looking for answers to a particular problem and they've been looking everywhere under the sun. And it never dawns on them that the great need in their life is simply to get out a Bible and start studying it regularly, prayerfully, applying it to their life. It never dawns on them. Sanctify them through your word. Your word is truth. 
So there's the response to the word. The very first thing, the very first thing that rebuilt people need is a life immersed in hearing the word with understanding. The next thing we're going to look at next Sunday night is the difference between conviction and condemnation. And that'll wrap up the book of Nehemiah.